we uh, feel your burden. And, uh, you know, I listened to you this morning in Connections, and, <clears throat> and uh, it reminded what we're about. We're about others and uh, just wherever God wants us, and truly it's a blessing. And so I think you're going to sing, and then I put the Hobbit pulpit down here for you so you can preach down here, and uh, you just you just share whatever you want. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger, to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. bringing us redemption that in the dead of night not one faint hope in sight God gracious tender laid aside his splendor stooping to woo to win to save my soul. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great creator. God's fullness dwelleth in him. Without reluctance, flesh and blood his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. Oh, how I love 
sunshine, my all in all, the great creator became my savior, and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Not having enough time to Let's try that. Breaker, breaker one. It's on. Can you hear me now? All right, good. First Thessalonians chapter number four. First Thessalonians chapter four tonight. So thankful for the opportunity to be here, and it sure has been a pleasure to uh, meet your pastor and his wife, and thank you, pastor, for the opportunity. <clears throat> thank you for uh, your faithfulness out here. It's been really neat to hear your story of this church and the years that it's been uh, in existence and how the Lord has worked in the last couple of years and moving you here, and I'm excited to see what the Lord has in the future for you, uh, Platte Valley Baptist Church, and so uh, thank you so much for uh, your stand for the truth here. One of my most favorite things that I like about deputation is I get to go all over the country, and I get to see people that love the Lord and want to serve Him just like uh, any uh, of our other independent Baptist churches that like where I came from, New Testament Baptist Church in Kinston. A lot of times, uh, we come, we kind of get into this uh thought in our minds, I think, as Christians, that we're the only church that stands for truth and righteousness. I, I was that way, and I was assistant pastor, and I knew better. But one thing I've loved about traveling is, is I've gotten to see, and my wife and kids and I, we've been able to see all over America that there are churches just like this one that love the Lord and want to see people saved. And so I'm thankful for that. It's always an encouragement. I look forward to the day we'll get there to Big Bear, California, and uh, how the Lord will use these days of deputation to remind me that we're not alone. Uh, because I can assure you there will be times when we're up on that mountain uh, feeling like we're the only ones that want to serve God. And so I hope the Lord will bring very hastily back to my mind uh, times like this where I've seen churches all over America. Just if you missed uh, our connection class this morning, Pastor allowed me to speaking, uh, kind of give uh, where the Lord has called us to. I'll just give you very briefly tonight. It's a place called Big Bear, uh, California. It's two hours east of Los Angeles. It's up in the mountains. Uh, the lake and that picture, if you uh, take a look at it, 6,750 feet above sea level, so it's up there a little bit, and uh, so we're just kind of getting a little taste of uh, not being able to breathe 
uh, right now here in uh, Colorado, and I'm just about uh, where I can almost breathe. I was just thankful that I was able to even sing uh, that song. And so if you hear me heaving in a few minutes, uh, don't worry, I'm probably okay. Uh, we went up to Pikes Peak the other day, and um, <clears throat> we drove up there. It was open all 14,000 feet. By the time we got there, I didn't even know I had a brain. I felt like I lost all oxygen. And I asked the lady, can I have some oxygen? She said, no, we don't give it to people unless they have a 70% oxygen saturation. I'm thinking, man, that's like, that's pretty bad, 70%. So I didn't get any oxygen. I just had to drink some water real quick. So I've been drinking a lot of water. But anyway, thank you uh, for uh, having us again. I just want to mention, uh, I was that, that's what I was doing. Big Bear, California, it's about 18,000 people live there. And uh, they go there for different activities around the, uh, around the year. The summer is basically like uh, lake life. There's fishing, there's uh, water skiing and uh, mountain bike riding and trail, all that kind of stuff that people like to do, and even hunting, which I'm looking forward to. But in the winter is snow uh, skiing and snowboarding and things of that sort. So it's a pretty uh, busy place throughout the year. Of course, it has its really busy seasons. And uh, so we're looking forward to seeing how the Lord will allow us to reach not only the 18,000 that call that place their home, but a lot of weekends uh, there throughout the year, the population jumps over 100,000, and people come up really from all over the world, and it's being only two hours from Los Angeles, it's about three to four hours from Las Vegas, uh, about three or four hours from San Diego, and about five from San Francisco, and so you kind of picture that in your mind, uh, that's where it's at, and so it's uh, very much unlike what you'd think of California if you've never been out there. I always just thought California I don't know what I thought California looked like, but I've been there a few different places, and uh, it's up in the mountains. It's absolutely beautiful, but there is no Baptist church there, and uh, when my wife and I went on a trip uh, out there, uh, the Lord used that many months later in our lives uh, to call us out there. We had been, I've been on the staff at our church as assistant pastor for the last seven and a half years, and we just believe that's where the Lord would have us until uh, he showed us he wanted somewhere else, and so our goal and plan is to get there at the beginning of next year and uh, establish the church by the fall of that year. And uh, if the Lord would have us, we'll stay there the rest of our lives and die on the mountain if that's what he wants. And uh, so we're excited. Uh, we know there will be lots of hard times ahead and about lots of good times. And so would you pray for us? We have prayer cards on our table. Uh, we certainly would appreciate your prayers so much. Uh, missionaries say that all the time, <clears throat> and we say it for a reason, because we travel a lot of miles and we need a lot of prayer because uh, deputation is just uh, something special. I don't know how to describe it other than if you've gone on it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy what we're doing. I love it. But it is, uh, it is taxing just because you're always somewhere different and kind of like an evangelist a little bit. But the difference between a missionary and evangelist is we have an end uh, to our deputation, Lord will. And evangelists, they do that for the rest of their lives. And so they're always traveling. But anyway, and then we also have our CD uh, that we recorded a couple of, about two years ago. And there's a bunch of uh, about 15 songs on there. They're just $10 a piece. And uh, since we like you all so much, we'll do a special two for 20 or five for 50, okay? And so that's just tonight only, and uh, so we hope that'll be a blessing to you. I hope that you enjoyed good music. I've appreciated the music here today as well. First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's look at verse 13 to the end of the chapter, just with our remaining time this evening. <clears throat> I want to preach a message entitled this, He's coming, are you ready? He's coming, are you ready? And as we just observed the Lord's Supper, certainly uh, if you partook of that uh, worthily, the Bible says that you're right with the Lord, and you're saved, and baptized, and on your way to heaven, a member of this church, and and uh, we're excited about that, that we can have the time to remember what God did for us. And so what's next on the calendar for the Christian? Well, Jesus returned in the clouds to get us out of here. But there's work to do. We know he's coming, but what do we need to do to make sure we're ready? 
Let's look at verse 13. Uh, Paul writes to the church there at Thessalonica, and he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Father, would you help me as I preach your word to be faithful and true uh, to it? Would you help me uh, to convey the message that you would have me to this evening that each of us need to hear? Thank you for your word, and Lord, thank you that we are not left without hope here on earth, uh, here today as believers, that you have given us everything according to your word uh, that pertains unto life and godliness. And so we thank you uh, that you've given us the instruction manual uh, manual wherewith uh, to live our lives by. And Lord, also to tell others about Christ so that they can be ready uh, when you come as well. So it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. If we were to turn over to Acts chapter 1, you would read in verses 9 through 11, you would see this, that, and when he had spoken Jesus these things, while they beheld the disciples, they, he, Jesus was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And we could really uh, look at that passage and this one, and we could understand that Jesus went uh, into heaven, but he's not, uh, he didn't leave to stay gone forever. And I'm thankful for that, that he has promised to return again. And so I want to ask you really just three questions tonight as we think about the one that was asked at the very beginning. Are you ready? Number one, is your hope in Jesus? Look at verse 13. Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Paul says, listen, believer, you should not be without hope. We have the greatest hope uh, as believers in the coming of Christ, and we can look forward to having no more worries or cares of this life. Why? We, we know that, our, uh, uh, that we'll receive a glorified body. We know that we'll eventually sin no more. We know that we'll not have to battle our wicked flesh any longer. And we as believers have a great hope because of the promises throughout his word. This evening, if you're here tonight and don't know Christ as your Savior, listen, as an unbeliever, you have no hope of anything good after this life unless you put your faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation. And listen, if you never get saved, you will experience right now in this life the best things of your existence. If you're unsaved, your future is an eternal home in a place called the lake of fire, and there is no hope in death. There's no hope in hell. There's no, help in the, uh, there's no hope in the grave as an unbeliever. But listen, if you're saved and on your way to heaven, there is great hope. Why? Because this isn't it for us. This isn't it. I'm so thankful for the testimony of this fellow over here. And as he was giving his testimony, I couldn't but catch that out of the corner of my eye. Others, that we may be able to comfort them. Isn't that wonderful? The, the very fact that you were able to witness to that person uh, was because of not anything that you've done, but what Christ has done in your life. And the hope that we have as believers in what God has told us in and through his word, that we are hopeful people. We're not hopeless. Isn't that wonderful? That we don't have to uh, sit around this, uh, this world and sit around our homes and sit around our cars or our workplaces or whatever and be just hopeless. That we're we're really just uh, living for the day or the next day or what do we get to get out of life? No. 
There's so much more as a believer. The question is, is your hope in Jesus? And certainly, I would, I would just uh, venture to guess that most of you here tonight are saved. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know your hearts. The Bible says, I can look on your outward appearance, but God looks on your heart. And so it's between you and him. And that's why we ask the question, uh, is your hope in Jesus? You see, he's coming. The question is, are you ready? Now, as believers, listen, don't turn me off here tonight uh, because I'm preaching a message about, oh, yeah, well, I, I know I'm saved. I don't need to hear this. No, listen, God, uh, Christ's coming ought to uh, motivate us to want to do more for him, to want to tell others about Christ. Listen, the reason we're going to Big Bear, California from North Carolina. I was born and raised in Michigan, my wife in Georgia, and we've been in North Carolina, and now we're going across the country. Why in the world are we doing that? You know why? He's coming, and there's a lot of people that aren't ready. I'm convinced the same is true here in Brush and Fort Morgan. You, you all know that. Listen, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm going to try to stay here in front of the microphone. I'm sorry, guys. That's hard. I'm a wanderer. But listen, church, Christian, believer, we have great hope. Why? It's not in ourselves. I am so thankful that I don't have to uh, think that I'm saved because of something that I've done. If you met me uh, for any more than a few minutes, you'd find out that I have lots of flaws in my life. And I would never make it to heaven because of me. In fact, I'm not getting to heaven because of me. It's because of Jesus. My hope is in him and him alone. Number two, the question needs to be asked this evening, is your belief in Jesus? Is your belief in Jesus? Look at verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Listen, just because you believe that something's true, your belief doesn't make it true. Can I say that again so that we, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Just because you believe something's true doesn't mean that it is true. What do I mean by that? Well, I could stand here tonight and I could say, you know what? I believe that the sky is purple. Wes, are you with me on that one? I believe the sky is, he's like, I don't think so. Well, I believe it. Well, it doesn't make it true. You know what makes truth true? <laughs> it's kind of a crazy, kind of weird question. When God is truth. And the Bible tells us that we're to sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. And I can put my faith and trust in this book. Why? Because it is 100% true. I don't have to doubt it or wonder if it is. Listen, why do we sit in chairs? I use this illustration often. Why do we sit in a chair? Because we believe that it's going to do what it's made to do, right? Did anybody here tonight, before they sat down in a chair, check to make sure the structural integrity would hold you? There have been a few that I have. <laughs> I'm not a small fella. And uh, there are times when I've seen a chair and I'm thinking, man, those legs are skinnier than my pinky finger. There's no way it's going to hold me. And so there are times when I have, yeah, sure, I've checked it. But most of the time, what do we do when we... When we come to a chair or a seat or a bench, what do we do? We just plop right down in it. Why? Because we, we trust in it. We believe that it's going to do what it said it's going to do. You know, uh, believing in God for salvation is similar but on such a greater scale. Salvation is not complicated. God says, listen, I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Romans 5.8 says, but God commendeth, or he showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, you know what that means? When we were unsaved, Christ died for us. Isn't that a wonderful truth? That God's word tells me, listen, you can trust in me, that all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Pastor went over the verse this morning in John 14, verse number 6, and Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
You see, the beauty of God's word is we can put our total faith and trust in it. And as we sit in a chair, without thinking twice the fact that it's going to hold us up, so much more should we remember that God is the one that holds our salvation and not our own, and not us, ourselves. I'm thankful that it doesn't matter uh, whether I come to church or give lots of money or help uh, somebody across the street. Listen, listen, all those things should be done as believers. We should come to church. We should give to God in our tithes and offerings. We should help others out. We should uh, see them in their needs so that we may be able to comfort them. Listen, we should do all those things as believers, but that's not what's getting me to heaven, nor is it getting you. The question is asked, is your belief in Jesus? Listen, salvation-wise, it better be. He's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? If, you're, if you are, then your belief must be in Jesus because there's no other way. There's no other way to heaven. Believer, isn't that a wonderful thing? That your salvation was so simple? I mean, man, I, I was a religious person. I didn't mention much of this this morning, but I was raised in a good, godly Christian home. My parents uh, had been, uh, were both Catholic, raised Catholic, and they had just gotten saved about a year or so before I was born. And so by about that time, and uh, I was always in church, a good Baptist church, and a good preaching, and man, I was raised in a good Christian home. I made a profession of faith early on in life, I, and when I say a profession, I simply mean this. I just prayed a prayer. I, I didn't want to be saved. I told my mom that, and, but I prayed because I knew I was supposed to. That's what I was supposed to do, and and so I prayed a prayer, and I spent the next, uh, I don't remember how many years, about 19 or 20, I don't remember exactly how old I was at the time, I was in second grade, and uh, it wasn't until I was 27, after my four years in the Marine Corps, I got out in March of 2007, and, and uh, ended up at our church that I was saved in. Uh, later that fall, we joined the church in August of 2007. I remember standing before my pastor, our church congregation, and joined the church, said I had been saved and baptized, and I was on my way to heaven, and one month later, an evangelist came to preach a week of revival meetings. I couldn't tell you one thing he preached on all week, except at the very end, on Friday night, the last night of the services, during the invitation time, he quoted Matthew 7, verses 21, 2, and 3. And I'll paraphrase. It says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name and cast out uh, demons in thy name and do many wonderful works in thy name? And I'll tell them in that day, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Holy Spirit took the word of God and pierced my heart right through and said, Jackie, you're not saved. You know what I was before that? I was one of those Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees we read about in the Bible. I was one of those religious people that I knew all the right things to do and the right things to say and uh, the right things that I was supposed to do. And I knew how to give my tithes and offerings and I knew how to attend church and I knew how to be a servant in the church and because that's what I was supposed to do. I was even a deacon at a church at one time while I was in the Marine Corps. But listen, none of those things got me to heaven, nor they, did they save me. And God said, Jackie, that's you. You're not saved. And that night I got saved by the grace of God, not because of anything that I had done, but because of what he did for me. See, salvation is so simple. Believe on Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Isn't that so wonderful? Jesus said often, he said, listen, unless you have the faith like a child, you cannot enter the, in the kingdom of heaven. Why did he say that? Because the faith of a child is simple, isn't it? As parents, what do our children do? They believe us at an early age. As pastor, was it you that made the mention this morning about jumping into a pool and catching them? Why? Because that, that child just believes that you're going to do it. I mean, that's your job as a parent, to catch them, to help them, to do good things for them. And and so they easily trust. If you were to uh, tell a five-year-old, you were to say, don't, if, 
don't you move. There is a rattlesnake right behind you. I'm telling you, don't move. And if they trusted you, they would believe you 100%, wouldn't they? Why? Because the faith of a child is simple, isn't it? And Jesus oftentimes would say, listen, you have to have the faith of a child. You know what I love about that? It's so simple, yet Jesus himself even said it's hard for some people. Why? Because we put our trust in things that don't matter. We put our trust in things that are of our own uh, good and our own self and our money and our things and our possessions. But Jesus said, listen, believe in me and you can have life eternal. And so here in verse number 14, uh, Paul says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What's he saying? It's important that the object of your belief is right. You see, just because you believe something's false, you believing it is false doesn't make it false. Your faith or belief is something is only as good as the object of that faith or belief. And so we could liken, again, uh, the question of the chair. Uh, do we believe that that chair is going to hold us? Well, I believe it was built well, and it can hold me. And every time I've sat in it today, it has held me. You see, our belief is only as good as the object that we put it in, that our faith, that is. And you know what, we love, uh, what I love about our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ? is our 100% belief and faith can be put in him. Why? Every promise that he has made has come, uh, has come true up to this point, and all the prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled will be. You know why? Because all the ones in the past have. He gave his life for us, and it will continue to do so until these pages have all been fulfilled, and we're with him for all eternity. You see, he's coming. The question is, are you ready? It's a very important question because we have to know, is our hope in Jesus is our belief in Jesus. And then number three tonight, are you going with Jesus? You know, tonight we have to ask ourselves, are we going? As believers, it's always a good thing to remind ourselves of the, the time we we're saved. And the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ, they're going to go first. And those of us which are alive and remain, they're going to go next. In verses 5, 15 through 18, we see that. And we're going to meet them all in the clouds. And, you know, the Bible, that tells us really that there are going to be people left here on earth and in the grave. Why? Because it says here, look, in verse number 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Can I, can I preface that statement? Look at verse number 1 in chapter 4. Furthermore, then we beseech you, what's that word there? Brethren. Paul is writing to believers. And he's saying, listen, as a believer, uh, one day when Jesus returns, uh, those that are dead are going to rise again, and those which are alive, they're going to meet the Lord in the air. And it's very important, listen, that uh, as a believer, this earth is not the end for us. There is another day coming when we'll get to be with the Lord uh, for all eternity. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful promise. I'm glad that as a believer, I'm not going to have to go through tribulation. If the Lord comes back right now, listen, I won't even be able to finish my sentence. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be gone in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's really almost an incalculable uh, amount of time. It's so small. And the Bible tells us that we'll be gone. And you know what's going to be left here on earth? Destruction. When the Lord returns in the clouds to get us for the next seven years, it's going to be terrible here on earth. So much to the point where people are going to wish that the very rocks would fall on them and kill them because they can't take it anymore. Now, I can tell you this. I've never thought that in my life. We were driving up to Pikes Peak. Have anybody, anybody ever been up there? Yeah. It's kind of a weird, listen, I almost hate to admit this because I was in the Marine Corps and I still like to think I am a, a Marine and, and, uh, and I am, and you can ask folks, but uh, it was a little nerve-wracking. 
You drive around some of those turns, they got pretty windy up there. There's no guardrails. And I mean, you're like, uh, right here is like the edge of the world. I never once thought, hey, this would be fun to go down flying down these rocks and maybe a couple more would tumble on us. No. But it's going to be so terrible in the tribulation. The Bible tells us that people will actually cry out that rocks would fall on them. Have you ever thought about what that must be like? To come to a place that you wish you were dead so bad that a rock would just fall and kill you because you fled to the mountains and you just hoped the mountain would crush you. I've never thought that. You know what? I'm not going to have to be for, here for it because Christ has saved me. And if he saved you, you won't have to be here either. And if you're here unsaved tonight, please get saved. You know, I find it interesting that the three times in the Bible we find Jesus crying with a loud voice or shouting uh, are, are these. The first time was in John 11, verses 43 and 44. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. The second time we find that Jesus cried with a loud voice or shouted was in Matthew 27, verses 50, 51, and 2. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. The third time I have been able to find where Jesus cried aloud with a voice or shouted was in 1 Thessalonians verse chapter 4 and verses 16 and 17. And the Bible says this, For the Lord himself should ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, the first time Jesus shouted, one man rose from the grave. The second time he shouted, many rose from the grave. And the third time he shouts, all of God's children will not only rise from the grave and meet him in the clouds, but even those that are saved and still living. I think that's such a wonderful thought. That when Jesus gives his shout, that we'll get to rise just as he has already proven with one person and then with many at his death there in Calvary. I love this illustration John Phillips says because he puts it like this. Suppose that we were to take a mixture of metals and scatter them across the ground, burying some and, and strewing others over the ground here and there. And we were to disperse gold and silver and copper and zinc and iron and tin. And then we were to take a powerful electromagnet and pass it over the area where the mixture of metals is scattered. Immediately we'd find that the magnet would draw to itself just one kind of metal. It attracts only the iron whether it's buried or still on the surface of the soil, it, it leaves behind all the rest. You see, the gold would be left, the copper, the silver. The question is, why does the magnet draw to itself just the iron? Well, the answer is simple high school physics. It draws the iron because the iron has the same nature as the magnet itself. You see, church, Jesus will only draw those that are his to himself. All the others will remain. Why? He's coming only to get his children. There's work that still has to be done after we're gone where he has, to, uh, he has to judge mankind for the things that have been done. And listen, thank God there will be people saved during that time, but, man, I'm glad I don't have to be here to go through it. But, you know, if we're not careful, we'll say, thank you, God, that I don't have to, and we'll forget that somebody else may. Can I challenge you tonight in just these last few moments? Imagine if you left here tonight and Christ returned while you're sleeping. Where would you be? If you're saved, you'll be with him. God promises that. You can put your faith and trust in that, and you can know that. Believer, that is a wonderful thing. Listen, I, I slept very differently that night I got saved when I pillowed my head, and I knew beyond a shadow of doubt I was saved and on my way to heaven. I'm so thankful for it. There were times when I could have died when I was in Iraq. I was there for six and a half months, and, and I got back safe and alive. 
Not everybody did. In fact, one of my Marines went back. Uh, we got back in March. He went back in August, and he died within three weeks, 19 years old, Catholic, unsaved, as far as I know, on it, went straight to hell. I don't say that light. Listen, it's been a reminder to me many times that it's only by God's grace that I stand here before you tonight saved and on my way to heaven. Oh, I'm telling you, it's not because of something I've done as a believer. We can pillow our head tonight and we can say, thank you, God, for saving me. But listen, the Bible teaches that because you heard the gospel before his coming, uh, excuse me, uh, if someone here is unsaved, you, the Bible tells us and teaches that that'll be too late for them if the rapture happens. Why? Because when someone hears the gospel and they reject, by the time the rapture comes, the Holy Spirit will be uh, withdrawn and the Bible teaches that they'll be uh, blinded. They, they won't want anything to do with it. But listen, tonight, can I ask you whether you've heard of the gospel tonight for the first time or the 50th time, if you've never accepted Christ, would you be saved? Again, I ask the question, are you ready? Have you been saved? Or if Jesus returned tonight, would you eventually spend eternity in the lake of fire with no hope of getting out? You see, that is a, an amazing thought. Have you ever just sat one time and just really tried to fathom what it would be like to never end the eternal torment in hell in the lake of fire. I've thought about certain people that I know, some that are related, that have gone, uh, uh, that have died already, and to my knowledge, they are un they were unsaved. I, I don't know if there was something that happened right before they, they passed away or not, but to my knowledge, they're unsaved. And I've sat sometimes and just thought, what must it be like? Because everything in our lives has an end, right? There's a beginning and an end. But eternity is forever and has no end. Listen, our job is to tell others about Christ now because there's one thing we can't do in heaven that I know for sure we can't witness to somebody. Our time to tell others about Christ is here, now. And the Bible tells us very clearly we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but we have this moment, and whatever we do with it, we must make sure that it's for God's glory and his good. Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, would you help us as believers to be better witnesses for you? Lord, would you help us to love others better, to serve you more? Lord, thank you for this church, for the pastor and his wife. And Lord, I thank you for the light and the darkness that they are here in this community. And Lord, I pray you'd just continue to help them to be a, a great testimony for you. Lord, we certainly desire tonight that if there's someone here unsaved, that they would realize tonight and, Lord, be willing to admit that they're unsaved and get saved tonight before it's eternally too late. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor for all of it, for it's in Christ's name we ask. Amen.